This week on the RV Podcast, choosing the right internet solution for your RV lifestyle. What it's like when a tornado touches down right next to your campsite. The best state parks in every state. All this, plus the RV News of the Week and your questions coming up in Episode 462 of the RV Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And um, somewhere behind us here. Bo is, is there. Bo is there. Our Norwegian <laughs> Hellcount and uh, our uh, perpetual uh, four-footed bodyguard. bodyguard and four-footed <laughs> traveling companion. Uh, welcome to another edition of the RV Podcast. Lots to talk about this week. We're going to continue the conversation we began last week about uh, internet connectivity for different RVers, different lifestyles. And there are different solutions. There's no one size fits all here. And uh, I think you'll enjoy as we uh, bring back part two of this conversation. And uh, we should remind everybody that this um, podcast comes to you in many different forms. The video version can be seen on our RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. Uh, of course, the audio version is available through your favorite uh, podcast app, as well as our podcast page, which is on the internet, which is rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. So check us out however way you'd like to go. And we always like to tell people that we love to hear from you, your comments, your suggestions, your questions. Our private email is Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. So there you go. Big news is uh, this episode is being released on August 30th, 2023. The weather is again at the forefront of the news. It's the beginning of the hurricane season, and they're saying that there's going to be a lot of hurricanes this season. Tropical storm Idira, as we write this and prepare this uh, podcast uh, a couple of days before its release, is forecast to become a Category 3, some say maybe even a Cat 4, uh, strengthening over the very warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico and uh, barreling in towards what looks like it will be now uh, Florida's Gulf Coast right around the Big Bend area. And I guess we should say that um, if if you're in that area, you should not be. If you are camping, I know even it's hard to tell people to leave when sometimes you've planned a vacation for months and months and you're all excited to be there. But a hurricane is nothing to mess around with. Uh, and anytime you have a hurricane that appears to be heading to your area, get out of there. Get out of town as fast as you can, as early as you can. The traffic's going to tie up, and uh, it's just not worth taking that chance. And uh, hopefully it isn't going to hit wherever you're camping, but if they say get out, please get out. Did, I don't know if you saw this story. It, it just broke before we started to uh, record this podcast, but complicating all that, uh, uh, dozens of gas stations throughout Florida received bad gas over the weekend, uh, gas polluted by diesel. Mm. And um, Florida officials have been trying to get the list of those stations out and tell people, uh, you got to fix that gas. You got to drain it out of your system. It can do major damage to your engines. 
the gas stations have to quit selling gas. They have to literally drain their tanks and then, and then purify them, clean them. It is just a mess. And it couldn't have happened at a worse time with, with the hurricane season in full swing and a, uh, and a potential hurricane now heading for much of the area that got the bad gas. Wow. How did that happen or will we never know? Well, we probably will never know. You know, these are corporations that uh, keep everything a secret and try and spin it all the proper way. But uh, we don't know how it happened. It was uh, at a a gas distribution center, I think, in the Tampa area. And uh, we'll see. There'll be a lot of everybody will be pointing their fingers at each other. But, uh, you know, the big issue is um, make sure you, you don't have a full tank of bad gas, because can you imagine getting stuck on those roads with a hurricane coming? Um, so what a mess for Florida. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, hurricane season. I know I haven't thought about it, but it's time again for hurricane season and it goes all the way through November. It does. I mean, um, sometimes even into November pretty well. They're saying this is going to be a very active year and contributing to it are those very hot waters in the Gulf and along the Atlantic. At one point, a couple of weeks ago, the Atlantic was 101 degrees. Wow. The temperature. And uh, I just checked uh, where our our condo is on the uh, Emerald Coast. The water yesterday was 88 degrees. That's too warm. Well, you know? it is for us Northerners. I'm sure a lot of people like it that warm. Yeah. Uh, the other big story, of course, this is uh, Labor Day weekend coming up. It is a camping day. We will be camping Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. And we're getting out of the campground on Thursday because it's uh, been our policy since we camp, what, uh, two or we three? Can, we can camp. Often. Yeah. We have the freedom to do that. So we always try and uh, not be in a popular campground so that those who only can get away on holidays and on weekends can have that spot. So uh, besides, it's too crowded. I was going to say, we can sound like a really nice people, but really, we don't like it real crowded. Yeah. If it's a little bit more empty, that's good with us. Hey, we got some feedback we want to talk about. Uh, you want to take this uh, this first one that came to Okay, so this first one is from Lawrence, and he says, everyone keeps talking about Bucky's and how they're so cool, but I don't think I've heard you and Jennifer talk about it. We tow a 26-foot trailer. Is it worth pulling in? Um, thanks, Lawrence. No, we don't talk about it much because we're not exactly big fans of Bucky's. It's not very RV friendly. And to your specific question, if you're towing the trailer, don't pull in <laughs> because, uh, they, um, they really don't have RV parking spots. There's, there's, you have to pull up to those pumps with, um, passenger cars and small SUVs and it is so congested. They got a million pumps, I know, and it's, it's a, supposed to be a big shopping experience, but, um, it, it's not very RV friendly. Uh, in fact, we just, there was just a post on our Facebook group or RV Lifestyle Facebook group. And, uh, let me just read it. The, the guy says, my wife was at the Calhoun Bucky's location and had filled up, bought a few things and walked the dogs. She was traveling in our minivan van. She tries to stop and get a few hours sleep when traveling from Florida to Kentucky. A security guard came up to the van, told her she could not park and sleep there, which we've done many, many, many times, even in the coach. He said, it's a new policy, no loitering. And that was at 2 (laughs) a.m. 
seriously, uh, we've heard similar reports and, and that it's just not a very RV friendly spot. Now I, I know maybe they made a judgment call that was an air, a woman, uh, you know, uh, a minivan. I, maybe they had other problems with other things. I don't know, but that's just ridiculous. You can tell real quick whether you got an issue when you look at somebody through the window. And, um, but we've heard a lot of people with RVs who've wanted to, you know, catch a couple hours sleep or just rest and they can't park. Um, but towing a 26 foot trailer, uh, I think Lawrence, you'd have um, a big challenge getting in and out of a gas pipe or gas pump, uh, let alone finding a place to park if you want to go in and shop or eat or take some time. So they always make me nervous because we've only been there a couple of times that has just, we've been to such busy ones that I was just like, Oh yeah. They're too busy, way too busy. So, uh, you know, we don't, we prefer loves actually, if we're going to stop someplace when we are, to when we're touring our fifth wheel, uh, I like gloves because I, I get diesel and I can pull in with the big trucks. Yes, we're welcome there. And I also like the fact that, you know, they have the big pumps so you can fill it up quickly and right at the pumps, they also have DEF. And, uh, we found, uh, you know, that park, you know, that using this, the pumps with the, with the truckers is, uh, the quickest and the best way for us. We certainly find it very inconvenient to try and use the pumps when you're towing a fifth wheel or a longer trailer. So, uh, but loves generally is very friendly. And usually we can even find a place not parking with the trucks, but over at the front of the building where we can park the RV and go in and get a sandwich or, um, you know, whatever we want to do if we want to go inside. And then of course, they have normally have the fenced in area for your pet. Yeah, that was really good. And mm -hmm. um, they're just, I think a lot more RV friendly. A lot of loves around the country are building actually RV camping spots. Uh, so check those out. They're adding more every day at every different spots. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. All right. Time now for social media buzz. That's uh, a weekly feature that Wendy Boyer, who's part of our social media team, does every week where she kind of keeps track of what everybody's talking about and shares some of the insights uh, this week. She's got a story coming up about a little note that she'll make about one of our one of our followers in our Facebook group was in a trail in a uh, campground when a tornado touched down right outside doing damage right around them happened very quick, no real warning. What was that like? Wendy will tell you that and more coming up in this week's social media report. Hi everybody. I've shared with you a lot of stories about creepy crawly things that people run into while they're camping, but this is the first time I've seen a post like this. Um, it was a post from April and she took a picture of a black spider with this big, egg sack on it. And she said, what kind of spider is this? Poisonous? Well, the consensus was this spider was a black widow spider. And it even had a dead male in its spider web. Um, sure sign, right? And this caused quite a bit of uh, discussion this past week. Um, well, apparently not all black widow spiders look exactly the same in North America. So there was a little give and take on its look. But again, the consensus was it was a black widow. Um, and it was in April's propane area on the outside of her rig. So after hearing this, April said her husband got rid of the spider, the web, the egg sack, um, Hopefully, uh, they've also gotten a new campsite, so when those babies come out, she won't be anywhere near it. But uh, can you imagine having a black spider widow in your camp 
and on your camper. Uh, that was something last week. And next, I'd like to share with you a post we had from Brian. Now, Brian, he was camping with his family in Pennsylvania at one of the Yogi Bear Jellystone parks and a tornado hit his campground. It was in the news. Um, his family's fine. Got to say no one died. There were a couple minor injuries, it sounds like, um, from the news reports. But Brian took some pictures of what he lived through and what he saw. It was just unbelievable. There were fallen trees on travel trailers, RVs, pickup trucks. You know, they were covering the road. Um, it sounds like this storm hit around 2.33 in the morning and it just came out of nowhere. So everybody was asleep and didn't have any heads up that it was coming um, and so this got some people talking and the community was great, kind of railing around Brian, offering their prayers and sympathy and uh, what a story. And then finally, I'd like to share with you a pretty amazing post from David. Now, David has a class A and his paint job and design on it was looking a little faded. So he decided to repaint it. And he took before, during and after pictures of his paint job. And wow, did he do a good job. It was just amazing. Got hundreds of responses. Um, and he said it took him about 200 jobs. 200 hours to paint this thing. Um, he did it in his driveway. He got a lot of technical questions. Um, but basically, it sounds like 80% of the work was preparing to paint. So just all those little things you do when you paint. And um, it just was really amazing. You'll have to take a look at this if you're driving. Um, when you get off the road, just go to the show notes and you can see some of these pictures for yourself. He did a great job. And that's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer, and I'll see you next week at the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. Don't you just love that, the way everybody in our uh, Facebook group shares? If you're not a member yet, we invite you to do so. There's some questions you got to answer, and you got to agree to be a nice, play nice, help people, um, be uh, very uh, encouraging. Uh, you can uh, find out all about it if you go to rvlifestyle.com slash Facebook. And I couldn't help but chuckle because I know Wendy very well in that story about the spider. I know that <laughs> Wendy has a real, everybody has seems to have different phobias, mice, insects, snakes, spiders. I know Wendy, it's spiders. So I'm sure she read that story and went, oh. <gasps> about the spider well everybody knows that you do not like snakes well we had uh, we were babysitting our grandkids for a little while the other day and uh, uh little jacks our uh, our seven-year-old was over and our six-year-old six six years old uh and i said hey jacks you want to see grandma's pet snake and he's grandma has a pet snake <laughs> we have a yeah, it was a pretty good sized gardener snake, snake out there, and Mike uh, named it Felix. I named him Felix, and he seems to like to watch you. So, <laughs> but then so do I. <laughs> so, anyway, Grandma does not have a pet snake, and never will. <laughs> and, and Felix yep. is living on borrowed time. Well, <laughs> Felix, better be careful. <laughs> yeah, he better he better slither carefully. He better slither fast. All right, when we come back, we're going to do part two of our internet interview, and um, you know, I think that's such a popular issue and a, and a topic that so many people are interested in. Again, we have uh, Chris and Cherie of the Mobile Internet Resource Center as our guest. These guys know more about mobile internet than anybody else. And uh, this is going to take a look at other solutions besides Starlink, starting with the very simple something you already have that might be just perfect for you. So stay tuned. It's coming up right after this. 
The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know over the years, we've tried many and found them all wanting until now. Now we sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on. We chose a queen-sized Aurora Lux medium firm mattress that arrived tightly rolled in a box. All we had to do is put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. Then we put the sheets and the bed covers on, and we found we slept so well on it that we ordered another one for our home. That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress. Shipping is free. And if you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Brooklyn Bedding sends out all of their RV mattresses from their own factory in Arizona. That means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you with no middleman bringing up the cost. And right now, if you visit rvmattress.com slash RV lifestyle, you'll get the maximum discount off your mattress with the promo code RV lifestyle. Again, use the promo code RV lifestyle for a big discount on your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. We're sure you'll be as thrilled with your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding as we are with ours. It really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever slept on. Welcome back, everybody. It's time now for the interview of the week. And last week, they talked about the pros and cons of using Starlink. Yep. Chris and Cherie are our guests again this week from the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And in the show notes for this episode, we will link to their site. That is probably the penultimate uh, source for mobile internet information. These guys, that's all they do is keep track of the routers and the antennas and the different services. It's just a great resource. You can uh, just look at the show notes of this episode at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast and you'll find it. So we talked about Starlink. And the pros and cons, it's getting better, but it's certainly not for everybody. Um, in fact, I think the consensus then was is that Starlink is a good, uh, great service, but you want to have a backup for it, a backup usually of cellular. Well, this week, we're going to look at other internet solutions for RVers, ranging from Wi-Fi and piggybacking off your smartphone to dedicated routers and sophisticated multi-carrier connections. Uh, just as there are different types of RVers, there are different uh, types of of internet uh, connections for, for all those different uses. I mean, the differences between, um, you know, the casual weekend warriors and long-termers or full-timers or digital nomads who work from the road and boondockers and off-grid campers, all of them need the internet, but have different needs that they need to to address when they're accessing the internet. So we're going to talk about a whole bunch of that stuff, and hopefully this will get you excited by the possibilities, maybe even find the right solution to your needs. Here's Chris and Cherie with part two of our Internet for RVers interview. Well, last week we had a great discussion about Starlink. And uh, we wanted to get into more uh, options for RVers for internet and uh, Starlink took uh, the whole program. So here's uh, part two. And we thank you guys for coming back two weeks in a row. Awesome. <laughs> to be here. All right. So uh, we've handled Starlink. And if people are 
didn't catch that, they can go back and listen to that episode uh, in the uh, in the links that we have in the program program. Let's talk about uh, RVers and the internet. And there are so many options now for them, and there's so much confusion out there. From the easiest to the uh, more reliable, what is out there uh, for the different categories of RVers? So first one that people think of is they make their reservation at their campground and it advertises free, free Wi-Fi. So a lot of people expect to be able to pull into the RV spot, put in their hookups, and then be able to connect. Flip to open their laptop and stream all the things, turn on their Apple TV and go to town. And now, campground Wi-Fi, some have put some great effort into it and some are reporting great service at campgrounds. But by and large, it's kind of like if a campground brought in a single water hose to provide to fill up everyone's water tanks and provide all the water service. They just don't have the backbone, enough backbone to go for everyone's yeah. needs, especially when people want to stream or they're doing Zoom calls, yeah. doing really high bandwidth it's, things. It is very, very expensive, particularly in a remote rural area, to put in fast internet to service a lot of people like that. And again, so few campgrounds have done it. And so many people they see, oh, the campground has Wi-Fi and they get there and it is disappointing, particularly if they're trying to want to stream or do things that use a lot of data. You might be able to get some emails and particularly if you're going to walk into the clubhouse or the laundry room or something, that might be the only place they have coverage. But in general, you just can't trust and count on and rely on campground Wi-Fi if you're going to be an RVer. Right. It can be a great when it works, it works. It works. Yeah. But for most of us who are traveling and moving around locations, cellular is the other option than Starlink. And we uh, personally consider using both. Yes. So let's talk about cellular for a minute. And um, we all, almost everybody has a smartphone now. And there's a little feature in there for a hotspot. And yes. people say, well, I don't need to get anything else because I've got my phone. What are the pros and cons of that? Pros are, you got it right it's on your easy. phone. A lot of data plans today provide 50 to 100 gigabytes of mobile hotspot use. And for basic needs, that is more than enough. Uh, pro is, it's all in one device. It's simple solution. The downside is if I'm using the hotspot feature off of my phone and I want to go for a walk or go out and run some errands, I've just taken away the yeah. mobile internet connection. Uh, if I want to do remote monitoring in my RV when I'm gone, maybe I'm monitoring for uh, temperature for our cat to make sure she's not getting too hot. Well, there's no remote monitor. There's no internet connection left back in the RV to do remote monitoring. And if you're doing critical things, well, a smartphone tends to, if you've not used your hotspot connection in a while, Maybe you've done other things off the internet because, you know, RVers like it'll, to it'll do things. Asleep, yeah. It falls asleep. So you have to go and reset up that hotspot connection. Reconnect your laptops and stuff. Which, it does not work very well for trying to have things like smart TVs talk to it because it falls asleep. The smart TV gets confused. It disconnects and you've suddenly got to go back through and get everything reset up. And then another problem that people have trying to use the smartphones for staying connected is most people tend to keep their smartphone strapped to the side of a big bag of salt water. And that does a makes for a very awful signal. They have it strapped in a pocket or something like that. So the, it's getting really <laughs> poor performance as opposed to having something that's got better antennas and a better view. But of it is a great option. <laughs> I, I personally use my mobile hotspot off my phone a lot, especially if I'm out and about. Mm -hmm. I'm taking my laptop with me or maybe a tablet with me. And I'll use hotspot off my phone. I'll use it when uh, he's trying to get our main internet connection working and I just need to get online and handle something. I'll just use the hotspot on my phone. It is a fabulous option to have and, in your back pocket. And particularly <laughs> in the 5G era, it just keeps getting better mm -hmm. and better and better. So, yeah. So for some RVers who don't 
necessarily work from the road and mm-hmm. don't have critical internet connections, campground Wi-Fi, it'll work a little bit and your phone, it'll work. Mm-hmm. And that may be all you need. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. The same time. Yes. But what's the next step up that, that gives up? a little bit more reliability? So the, my next recommendation is going with a cellular embedded tablet, like an iPad or some of the Android ones, get one with the cellular chip in it, then you can activate a data plan. A lot of times, if you have a postpaid smartphone plan, like on Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile, you can add on a tablet plan for 10, 20, $30 a month for unlimited data on the tablet. And you get a Bluetooth keyboard with that tablet and it can function much like a laptop. You can surf the web, you can and, do video calls with it. Yeah, particularly for things like, like Zoom and stuff like that, where you're using a ton of data. This way you've got your laptop set aside to, to work on. You've got your Zoom screen there to be your broadcasting to and from your calls. And you can do broadcasts in high resolution and not have to worry about data limits or data plans and stuff like that. So the, it's an incredibly cheap, often overlooked way to do that. And you can even then have your tablet plug into your big TV and um, drive the big TV to become your streaming box and do all your streaming in unlimited data. So, so I think yeah. cellular embedded tablets are often underlooked as a solution in a mobile internet setup. You can get great data plans for them. And they're so functional also for navigation. There's just so much you can do with a tablet yeah just make that sure is, i've never thought of recommending that yeah. isn't that amazing so that's that's why we like you guys so much because you save us money so that's when i have not and that will go on our list of recommendations now uh as a cellular embedded uh pad and the Cheaper and cheaper as we look yeah, around. Yeah, definitely. So you'll you'll pay a little more. Don't go for the Wi-Fi only version of a tablet. Usually pay another hundred bucks or so. Hundred and fifty to get five G one. To get yeah. to get a five G one. It is definitely worth it because that also gets you usually a true navigational GPS chip. Yeah, on the iPads. The mm-hmm. iPad without cellular in it does not have a GPS in it, so it has much rougher load navigation capability. So yeah, it's very worthwhile. And also those plans, a lot of those plans still also allow the the, the iPad to act as a personal hotspot the same way your phone would. So you, so you might, still might, can share. It might include only also. 10 or 15 gigabytes yeah. of hotspot data, but hey, you know, if you, you can way. share it with other devices. So there's great plans out there to be had for tablets. Next step up, I would bet, will be the MiFi card. Yes. Or the, the hotspot device. Mobile hotspot, yeah. mobile so, hotspot. yes. Data, we call them data cards. I don't know what we call them now. Mobile right. hotspot. So you'll hear terms like Jetpack, MiFi, AirCard. Those are all branded terms like Verizon calls all of their devices jetpacks. Uh, Insigo, which is a manufacturer, calls all of theirs MiFi's. But mobile hotspot devices is the generic term. It's kind of like facial tissues and Kleenex or puffs. So but, <laughs> no, what, what these are is they're basically a cell phone without the phone part. It's it's just basically it's a cell phone permanently running the mobile hotspot feature. So when you turn it on, it creates uh, connects to the cellular network and creates a local mm-hmm. Wi-Fi network. They're, bat- they're battery operated so that you can actually take them with you. You don't necessarily have to have it plugged a, in. Um, so if you're off grid and you don't have a robust uh, battery system or solar, they can still run for about usually about 12 hours without needing to be recharged um, or they can be plugged in as well. Um, you basically get a data plan from your cellular provider. The downside to these is they are usually carrier specific. You see this one's branded for AT&T. Um, a lot of them are designed specifically to work with each cellular carrier. So there's not many out on the market that will work with all the carriers. So you're going to have one for AT&T, you'll have one for T-Mobile, one for Verizon. If you wanted a redundancy there. Um, so that is one of the downsides. But uh, these are great because you basically turn it on. It creates a Wi-Fi 
connection that all of your devices can get online with. They're fairly reliable. Some yeah. of them have other external things. This one's got an Ethernet out, so you can actually use that to plug into a devices to So it, if you've yeah. got like a regular residential router or any router that has... Uh, or, or a streaming box mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Streaming. They are designed for uh, being used full time. So most of them have a setting where they won't fall asleep. So if you haven't used it in a while, it'll still have that Wi-Fi connection going for when you are ready without falling asleep. So that's a, a great option with these. And data plans for them? How much data can you use a month for that? I mean, how useful so, are they? So one of the downsides to get a data plan for these officially with direct with the carriers, there's usually options only ranging up to 150 gigabytes a month. And that's going to set you back about $100 a month on most of the carriers. Uh, we do have a guide going over all of the data plan options, which I'll make sure you have to, to link along with this. And we'll um, put a link to that too, right. so they could say. Right. So, so that's a pretty viable um, option, and and you can use that in conjunction with the other two that we previously discussed. So, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's, so, it's usually not an either or. It's like which ones make the most sense in your setup. Yeah. Good. Now that takes us to the next level, and uh, what do we do there? Here. <laughs> so this is an older version of a Peplink router. Uh, we have the one that we're broadcasting over is a really high end one, but these are hotspots on steroids. Actually, you know, they're not battery powered. They're designed to be plugged in permanently built into, into your RV. So this one can be 12 volt or AC. Um, they have the cellular modem inside, but they have higher routing capacity uh, capabilities in it. Like yep. this one's got two ethernet ports in it, one for WAN. So you can actually like, you could plug this one into it and get, two cellular connections that way. And the advantages of routers, particularly as you go to some of the more higher end ones, is they can um, speak to multiple carriers and sometimes they have multiple modems so they can speak to multiple carriers at once. So the one we're on right now, I'm connected to both AT&T, Verizon, um, Dish Network, and uh, T-Mobile all simultaneously. And And Starlink. All simultaneously and combined through the router. And the really nice thing about using a router is like if you're using a, a hotspot off your phone and a hotspot here and an iPad and you want to change how you're connected, you're like, oh, I'm in some place with horrible AT&T service, so I want to switch to Verizon. All your devices you want to use, your laptop and your TV and everything else in your RV, you got to go change how they're connected. If you're connected via a router, none of your local stuff has to change. You might have to change a setting on the router or maybe the router is set up to be smart and will just auto use whatever connections are available and you don't even have to think about it. So it just makes it simpler that way. Now, the, all the other devices we talked about uh, are available through your cellular provider. Right. You now we're talking your- about. Yeah, yeah, but now we're talking about a router which will work on. Uh, some of them will work on multiple providers. Where do you get those? So these you're going to have to buy independently of the carriers, and that is one of the you know, Peplink goes to great lengths to be certified by the carrier, so you can get data plans directly on them. So you're going to have to find a reseller uh, of this gear. So there's. A lot of great reputable ones out there. We work closely with Mobile Must Have. Um, they help us create a lot of content on the Peplink routers because these have become very, very popular with our audience because these have high-end enterprise features, but they're consumer accessible in prices. And not too high of prices. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're not overly complex to manage that most people can learn how to manage them well. Uh, there's also Techno RV, 5G Store, and other uh vendors yeah. out there that provide them. And then I know you're working with with one as well that is also providing a data plan. So there's a and, lot of them out there. The the cost of these, these, these are a little more costly. 
What do they range? So, you know, a mobile hotspot device for a single single carrier, you're getting one connection on it. You're going to spend three hundred to seven hundred dollars for one of these little boxes. This this device right here is a single cellular carrier. It's got two SIM cards on it, so you can actually have two data plans in it. Use one at a time, but you can switch between them. Bring in multi WAN. This style is starting at about three hundred and fifty dollars, but it's really L- not all that much. But this is this is a low end LTE model. This is a high-end 5G model. So there's a difference between 4G and 5G. You want to get into 5G routers. routers. You're starting at $1,000 for single. The one we're using is $2,800 with, with two uh, 5G modes. to combine up to 11 connections. So, yeah. So. It's, and, and it's a pretty costly thing. But, I mean, if you're going to work but, from the road and it's important. If you uh, look at getting, you know, three hotspot devices, one for each carrier plus Starlink and everything else on there. You start to do the math and you get you start to think about all the ways you can combine these connections for increased reliability. It starts to make sense after a while. And we, we find a lot of people, they'll, they'll start with trying to do several hotspot devices or they bring hotspot devices into these setups. But a lot of our members, they end up going with a router. And there are other manufacturers of routers out there that Peplink's not. Now, we will, again, put links to your website in the description below. And I know a lot of people are going to go jump right over there. Is there a single place and or service that you can, that an RVer could call and say, I want solid, reliable stuff. Can you install it, hook it up for me? Uh, what is your advice for that? You need to have a little DIY skills or is there somebody that can do it for you? There are some people who offer uh, installation, but really it's, it's not anything that any other RV tech can do because it, it's no different. You're putting an antenna on your roof if you're using a lot of people will go with an external antenna. That's what these are on the back. They're great for because you can get a better signal than putting an antenna on the roof. Um, so that's the biggest installation challenge is how to get an antenna on the roof and wire it down to your wherever you're keeping your tech at. Um, that's really no different than installing like yeah. a satellite dish. Or, so, so you don't necessarily um, need a specialist, but it, what you really need to do is do your own homework in advance to decide what kind of solution fits your personal needs. And that that is the thing that... you. It's not so much DIY, it's understand your needs and don't try to copy somebody else um, just because, oh, that worked for them. It's like, well, their needs are very likely different than than yours. yours. And there are companies out there that are selling bundled package solutions. Our friends at Mobile Must Have do. There's several other vendors out there. They'll say, hey, we'll send you the gear that you need. An antenna, a SIM card. But unless you understand your needs and you know the differences between LTE and 5G and where the evolution is right now and all the carriers and what your unique needs are, what do you need to be doing? How reliable of a solution do you need? You really need to educate yourself and understand these variables or else you're going to be handed a solution and you're going to hand over a couple thousand dollars to have this equipment. You're going to be having a couple hundred dollars a month in data plans. And they might not be the right ones for you. Right. They might not. You might get to a new location. It's like, well, wait a minute. T-Mobile's <laughs> not working here. I thought T-Mobile would work everywhere. Well, maybe it works like a mile over. Yeah. But <laughs> that, that, that's where having some redundancy. And that's where it's so valuable sometimes to have a router that can have a T-Mobile and an AT&T plan or a Verizon and a dish plan. You know, Having two plans going simultaneously can take away so much of that stress by having that redundancy. It's like jumping out of an airplane. You want to reserve parachute and it's nice to have an auto open. You know? 
Yeah. Well, uh, I'm still sending everybody to your site first because uh, you are the the uh, the experts that we recommend that everybody talks to. Uh, I, I can't let you go without asking you. Um, a lot of us had a really bad experience uh, with what are called uh, one in particular, but uh, resellers. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are good resellers. And then there are there's been a whole bunch of incidents involving resellers. Sound a warning if necessary. What is a reseller? People may hear that term and what do they need to know about that? So you have data plans that you can get direct with the carriers that you're going to, they're usually going to be capped. You're usually going to be like 150 gigabytes for $100 a month. Like that's the current Verizon plan. And 150 gigabytes might sound like a lot, but some people you can use that pretty quick. I would say most households on the road, if they're working remotely, doing some streaming, something more like three to five hundred gigabytes is without having to be miserly. Right, it is a more comfortable amount of data for today's internet. Um, so you're either going to need to get multiple data plans to do that, or you start looking at these reseller plans. So these are. Uh, Businesses that mm, acquire plans may be legitimately, usually not. Um, (laughs) Maybe they've taken one of those unlimited tablet plans that you can get for $20 a month and they found a way to hack it to work on a router or a hotspot device and they're selling it to you. And you just don't know. They're not going to tell you that. Um, But there's all sorts of ways. There's there's a lot of data plans out there in the market that are intended for nonprofits or for for businesses or first first responders. And they get a hold of these plans and they start reselling them against the terms of service of the carriers and they will work until they don't. Exactly. (laughs) So So if you're going right. And if you go in with these plans, if you decide that that's the right path for you, just know that you could wake up the next morning and your plan could have been shut down by the carrier. And usually that's the worst case is what happens is you lose that internet connection and maybe you've lost a month of service because the carrier, the, your reseller might not reimburse you. But we've actually seen some pretty aggressive moves, especially by AT&T recently in the last year, is when they shut down these reseller accounts, they're actually blacklisting the device that the SIM card was in, which means you can't use your device on at and ever, ever again. again. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting a a little more aggressive it's getting riskier to go with these resellers and particularly the, the so so when you're if you are considering a reseller is is find the ones that um i mean some of the resellers do have legitimate agreements and sometimes it's really hard to tell because the ones that don't are the ones that most often will tell you they're legitimate and you right and they're, like, they're, <laughs> they're usually not going to be advertising unlimited because right. mostly unlimited doesn't exist um, unless there's some special cases out there. Like uh, you might have heard about the Calix Institute, which is a nonprofit that uh, Sprint had bought Clear Wireless many years ago. And they had a plan with, they offered unlimited plans to nonprofits at an affordable price. Well, those terms had to be acquired by Sprint when they bought it. And then when T-Mobile bought Sprint. So you can get an unlimited plan for about as low as $33 a month through Calix really, Institute by with, becoming, Sprint, with T-Mobile data on underneath it. But it's, you know, you got to understand like what makes Calix Institute special and different. And okay, they, they've got a really long track record because they're grandfathered in on this ancient nonprofit plan. So you doing playing with resellers, that definitely pays to do your homework and understand what makes them all different from each other. And just know when you go with a reseller, no, I wouldn't go buy per- expensive equipment to use with a reseller plan unless that reseller is really aware of what's going on. Um, so we, we talk with a lot of resellers. We kind of understand behind the scenes what some of them are doing. And some of them are like, hmm, no. And the others are like, <laughs> okay, 
Yeah, if something goes wrong with that plan, you've got you've got the resources to make it right. Yes. Um, Briefly, any red flags people should know when they're looking for a plan? What are a couple of the red flags Uh, that they ought to say? If if the website isn't clear on what they're offering, if they're not able to give you a solid clue of what carrier the plan is on, that's one clue right there. Um, If they are advertising the um, the carrier, that's usually against the terms. If a legit reseller of a of the carriers is not allowed to say that they're selling Verizon. They have yeah, to use red plan. It gets really weird, the terms behind the scenes. And um, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, um, look at their their FAQs. How are how well worded are they? Look at what their customer service is. Can you actually speak to someone? Does someone actually answer their emails if you send questions into them? Do you know who's behind this? You know, do they actually have an address? Do they have a phone number? Do they have, you know, it's um, but and also just talk, just 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 ask around and um, you know, and and just know what you're getting into. It's like I would not use a reseller plan as your only way online because so many people have a history of like it worked for a year and then one day it was gone and then they're scrambling. It's like I can say in a decade, of, <laughs> we've been tracking mobile internet as our primary job for ten years. Now. Oh my gosh! Um, we, we first wrote our mobile internet resource center book in 2013. And we have seen so many resellers come and go, some that looked solid for a year or two. All of them have had issues. Um, our partners at Mobile at the mobile Must Have, they sell data plans as well. And we've seen the struggles behind the scenes. None of their plans have lasted through the years. They're always losing them. Yeah, and what they but, have to do then is then support the customers by saying, okay, your plan is going away, but we've made, made terms to get you a new plan. So here it is. And so here's a new SIM card coming in the mail. We need your address. So we're going to get you onto a new plan. So that's the, the, the better resellers support their customers through the ups and downs and will take care of getting them new plans, whereas, new SIM cards. Whereas others will get shut down by the, the plans will get shut down by the carriers and they go out of business and they no support. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so look for a track record. On, on well, Sheree and Chris, again, um, we could probably talk for another two hours on this. Uh, I, for those who have tuned in for the first time, uh, give them a quick look at where they can find more information from Sheree and Chris. All right. So we run the Mobile Internet Resource Center. and We have a team of eight of us that make this our job to track. Uh, we are unbiased, unsponsored. We don't take advertising dollars and all that sort of stuff. It's all community funded, but we offer a lot of free content, which you can find at rvmobileinternet.com. Uh, you can feel free to browse. We have news articles as any changes in plans and equipment come up. We have lots of guides to get you started. Uh, we have a guide to the best current cellular data plans that you can find at rvmobileinternet.com slash plan picks. And that is constantly updated. We have a, a YouTube channel at the Mobile Internet Resource Center. So we do a lot of our content in writing as well as video because we know people uh, have a preference for one or the other. Um, and then uh, if mobile internet is an important part of your lifestyle and this is something that is going to enable you to work remotely or enjoy your travels better, uh, we do have a membership program that makes it all possible and it goes further with our content. You get access to our reviews, you get guidance in our forums, and we also host several webinars a month on these topics. Awesome. Well, we will link to all of you. Awesome. And I know we'll have you back again. We've had you on uh, a year ago, I think was the last time, but so much changes. Thanks Thank for all the time. So thanks for keeping tabs on all of this for us and uh, and thank you guys for your integrity too in uh in not being swayed by advertising and affiliate money and just telling it as it is and uh doing it so as professionally as you do uh, sheree and chris you're the best thank you guys thank you. thanks
Well, you learned a lot from that interview, didn't you? And it sure is true that one size does not fit all. Yep. In fact, after talking with Chris and Cherie, we are, um, I think we're going to get pretty much the same system that they have. It's kind of the ultimate internet system because we have, both of us have the same kind of needs as we travel. And I'll be sharing more information about what we're going to do uh, that uh, that they have as well in the future episodes. But uh, love having them on and uh, just no nonsense, no influence from any outside sources from them. They, uh, they, really, uh, they really are experts in the field. And that's what we want to bring to you, the best information we can. When we come back, the RV News of the Week. As you may know, Jennifer and I bought some land near Nashville, Tennessee. Now, for us, it was the antidote to crowded, expensive campgrounds and the end of worrying about reservations. It's a gorgeous area with friendly people, and it has been such a pleasure. The same developer has some new property in horse country coming up near us for sale September 2nd. It's called the Reserve at High Forest. Big properties, five to 67 acres. You can build a house, a cabin, or RV year-round. Prices start at $89,900. It is your property, your way, 100% ownership. And the scenery in this part of Tennessee, it's breathtaking. Garden, landscape, bring your pets, build what you want. There's high-speed internet, and it is so private. It's a great place to make your home base ready whenever you want it. They're selling these September 2nd by appointment. Five to 67 acre properties from $89,900. There's great financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlands.net. That's rvlands.net. Welcome back to the RV News of the Week. And for our first story, heading out of town this weekend, I'm sure uh, you're not going to be alone out there on those roads as everybody tries to squeeze in one more camping trip before school officially starts and winter is just around the corner. I should say fall, not winter, fall. So uh, how long a trip are you going to go on? And uh, like I say, those roads are going to be a little crowded out there. And AAA has released its annual forecast of the busiest times to be on the road. And that is Thursday, August 31st from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. With Friday, September 1st from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., a close second. And the RV Industry Association is anticipating 16 million Americans will go camping this Labor Day weekend and 38 million to go camping this fall. And I think fall really has become every bit as as popular as a summer camping. Yeah, we're not, as we said, planning to go this Labor Day. Uh, we do plan to get out this fall. In fact, we're going to talk about that next week. Um, we have some excellent places that we will recommend where you go to see uh, fall color, and we will talk about some of the little secrets to getting a good campsite in the fall and why fall is such a great time to, to camp. And I got to say, winter's closing in fast, too. People have finally realize that you can camp in the winter now yeah that's uh that's something that we've been talking about for 10 of the 12 years that we've been doing this rv lifestyle uh, gig that winter is a great time to camp and uh, we camp every winter in the snow and you can too don't tell anybody think you, you can't do it it's uh, it's so much fun same as summer except 
you wear more clothes when you and go take outside. your antifreeze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another story out of Yellowstone, and we've been monitoring behavior out there by what many call tourons, tourist morons out there in Yellowstone. And a man um, received some serious thermal burns. He was walking off trail in a thermal area at Yellowstone. And uh, besides getting hurt, he is now facing federal charges. He is banned from uh, visiting and going back to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. He's from Michigan, uh, charged with, guess what? Surprised being under the influence of alcohol or drugs to the point that he is a, was a danger to himself and others, and then with traveling off trail in a park thermal area. Uh, those thermal areas in Yellowstone are very fragile. They're dangerous to walk on. They are off limits, clearly marked off limits. Um, so this kind of outrageous and foolish behavior uh, of some visitors to Yellowstone. Uh, we did a recent podcast episode, interviewed uh, a Yellowstone ranger, and you can we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes for this episode at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. What pops into my head first thing I think about, was he with someone else or was he all by himself? And the responsibility of uh, somebody being responsible, <laughs> you know, if you're all partying, somebody's got to be the parent. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Seems like somebody's got to know what's going on. I just think that term Turan really works. <laughs> it really is accurate for some of the behavior that we keep seeing out that way. Um, another National Park Service story right. that's this, really getting a lot of controversy. Yeah, this story comes from uh, North Dakota's Theodore Roosevelt's uh, National Park and wild horses. Have you been there and you've seen all those wild horses running around? Well, there's some uh, controversy that's going on right now about the removal, a proposed removal in uh, the National Park by the National Park Service to um, remove some of those horses. So um, many uh, visitors to the National Park see the horses as a positive tie to the Old West and a highlight to their visit. What's prettier than a bunch of it, horses? It, it is a highlight. Running around. But the National Park Service is considering classifying the horses as livestock. Oh, this would enable them to capture the horses and give them to some tribes, auction others, or use reproduction techniques to keep the horses from reproducing, but uh, permit those horses that do live there to finish out their life in the national park and currently there are about 200 wild horses in the park but officials say 35 to 60 would be ideal and you can see where 200 horses maybe in a year you got 250 i don't know but um you know, this manage, I'm glad I'm not in charge of managing. Yeah. It, you know, I, it's really easy to say, what did you think they're doing? And it is going to create a, a tension, but it's such a great, that is one of the, um, I think the best national parks in the system. We just love Theodore Roosevelt National Park. We find it peaceful and just quiet and beautiful. And the horses are a big part of it. Though. Oh, I really yeah. love seeing those horses. And it's fun to see the colts. You know, just not to have a bunch of old horses running yeah. around, but to see some of the young ones, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll watch that story for you and report more on it. You ever wonder what's the best state park in every state? There's a whole bunch of different people who do 
surveys every year. We we participated and were a judge in one for USA Today a, a couple of years back. Uh, and you understand when everybody does the best of, they're really uh, usually gimmicks to get you to go to their website and click on it, the headline and read the story. But I'm a sucker for that. We read every one of them. Uh, but this is from Travel and Leisure Magazine. Uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty reputable publication. And they released their ranking of the best state parks in the country. And we, I think, agree with many of their choices. Um, and they listed Gulf State Park in uh, as the best state park in Alabama, uh, partly because of those white sandy beaches really stretched from the Emerald Coast all the way into Alabama. Uh, in Arizona, Lost Dutchman State Park, about 40 miles outside of Phoenix near Apache Junction because of the beautiful Red Rock uh, formations. Uh, Starved Rock State Park was the choice for Illinois. And we've not been there, but seeing its waterfalls and it actually has some canyons and wooded trails. I think that'd make a great place to visit. Yeah. And I saw that Porcupine Mountains was listed. And of course, that's the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And we've been there many times. And that was number one in the list that, that we were judges on when we uh, judged for um, for uh, USA Today. And uh, it, I'm glad to see that always makes the list. If you've never been uh, to Porcupine Mountain, Porcupine Mountains Wilderness State Park, it's in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the western edge of it, right along Lake Superior. Um, you can see why that is voted consistently the best state park, if not in the nation, in uh, in Michigan. It was one of the best in the nation in our survey, and it shows up on all of them. Um, so we uh, we're very pleased with all of them. We'll put a link to that whole list in the story. It'll give you some ideas as you plan your travels for 2023 uh, this fall or uh, next year as we start looking at the 24 season. Uh, again, you can get the notes to everything we're talking to, links to all the stories, everything. It's in our show notes and the show notes are always found on our podcast uh, website, rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. All right, we come back. We've got uh, questions of the week. Stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have, and they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Time now for the RV questions of the week. You got a question for us? Our private email, uh, send it to us, Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. Okay, our first question is from Stephanie. And how is Bo doing now? We are thinking about getting the uh, spot on satellite collar. What kind of tips can you give us? Anything we have to be aware of? Any quirky things? Thanks for your help. Let's see. He does not have his satellite collar on now because he's in the house. Um, but 
she's talking about this spot on collar, which we did a story on uh, some time ago. It is a satellite collar um, that monitors your dog's position. Your dog goes outside, the collar connects with the satellite, even through the trees. It will help show exactly where he is. And using an app, you can draw boundaries around the property that you want to do what they call a geofence, you know, you, you, it goes, it's, it's, it's amazingly accurate. They just say, go about 15 yards inside the absolute boundary that you don't want them to go outside of. And as soon as he hits, starts to approach that, he gets a, a tone. It increases in uh, strength until he actually crosses that line. If he is going to cross that line, uh, it will even give him a slight um, static uh, vibration. It's not a shock, but you'd think it is that jumps him because it, 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 they realize they should, they don't like that sensation and it'll move them out. Um, and so we've had that on him in our Michigan property. We have 10 acres in mm -hmm. Michigan and we have five acres of, uh, of RV sites that we have for friends and family in uh, Tennessee. And it keeps him in. And I think the best thing is if he leaves the property, it lets you know. Yeah, there's a cellular option. Uh, it will tell you that he's left. But if you have the cellular option, not only will it tell you where he's left, it will then pop up on the screen and you can see in real time. Oh, there he is. He's down that road or he's over here. Or he's only 10 feet into the line. And uh, a couple of times, Bo has gone through the boundary chasing a deer or uh, a rabbit or something. But he comes back right away. He, he gets that vibration. But it's so... Nice to know that if he got out of there, we'd be able to find him real quick. And what's so hard for Bo is this new house that we have. Our neighbors have chickens. <laughs> and sometimes the chickens come into our yard. He, so far, he's been good. He just isn't he that interested birds. in them. He likes to bark but, at him, but um, most time he ignores them. But it's really hard for Bo when uh, they have kids and they have ducks and chickens and there's all this excitement and life next door. He wants to go join them. And then, uh, so we have like, like I said, 10 acres here. And then on the other side of us, we have 60 acres of woods and a lot of deer in there, lots of other critters. And uh, he does that satellite collar. Just he, he won't go in there. I mean, I've got the boundary line. Now she asked about any special hints, and we should tell you that that um, one it. It's not meant for small pieces of property. You have to have at least a half acre uh, that you want to fence in with that. So if it's just a small lot, it's we don't recommend it. But if you have a big hunk of property and you want your dog to run leash free, it's 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 a it's a great luxury. It's expensive though. Oh, it really is expensive, but. Uh... I think it's worth it in our case with Bo. Now, you know your pet. You know whether of a vibration or a noise, your dog would just say, huh, what's that? And keep going. But um, Bo responds to it. Battery life is the day. It, you know, if we, we put them on them, usually when we put them outside about eight in the morning and I bring them in towards dark. So, you know, 10, 12 hours, it's it's pretty low and we just charge it overnight. And then we've gotten the habit of putting it on them first thing in the morning. It's great. Uh, it is expensive. It costs about $1,300. So, I mean, right away, 80% of you say that's too much. But for those of you who have big hunks of property like this and you and you have a dog that you want to run free, um, it, it's, I, we, it's worth it to us. And we can get you $100 off that price, by the way, too, if you use the promo code RV Lifestyle 100. Um, we'll put a link to it 
um, at, uh, in the show notes, rvlifestyle.com pod, slash podcast. Uh, and you can check it out yourself. And I think something that's interesting is that if you're camping in a spot where you don't normally camp, you could fence off an area. And if your dog is yeah. responsive to that beep and that notice not to go any farther, it's just wonderful. It that, takes just yeah. a couple of minutes. You just call up the app and it will draw, it'll show you right where you are. And you can zoom in and you can draw a map of the area you want to quote fence off with him. It only takes a minute and you can have multiple fences. You go visit a relative so you can do the same thing in their yard and bring him. Uh, so it's expensive, but it, it really, the technology is pretty good. Now, I don't know if Mike or Mike, if Bo is brilliant or if Mike he, is brilliant, <laughs> Mike is brilliant. Yes, I know that. I don't know yeah, if, if Bo not. is brilliant or it's just by chance, but he had his collar on and he found something disgusting to roll in and oh. got his collar nice and stinky. And I was cleaning that collar like crazy, trying to get that smell off him. But I think it was perfume to Bo, but, um, I didn't put it on him for a couple of days. So like I say, I don't know if the dog was being brilliant or if it was just coincidence. Yeah. Maybe it's just silent protesting. Yeah. It's not, it looks like it's heavy, but it's really not very heavy at all. So it's not bad. All right. Let's do one more question. Okay. One more question from Jimmy D. We're hooked up to 30 amp shore power at a campground and my breakers keep tripping. I'm only running AC. It's a hundred degrees out, mm. out there with our refrigerator and our water heater. There are no other spots where I can move to. What could be causing this? Okay. I would say a hundred degrees. Yeah. A hundred degrees is a big, well, first of all, you know, that at hundred degrees, your air conditioner is working more than overtime, you know, air conditioners, what takes all the drain on an air conditioner is the compressor. You know, you hear that when the compressor kicks on, it's that, you know, you know that the compressor is running. Um, so when it's that hot, your air conditioner, that compressor is on a lot more, drawing more power. But I am betting anything. You said that you had the hot water heater on. Um, that's your problem. I bet you've got it on electric. You said you're plugged into shore power. That's what many people do. Normally, that would be fine. But because everything else is working so hard, that uh, the air, the uh, water heater, when it's run on electric, takes a lot of juice. So what we do as a matter of policy is we run it on gas on propane. It doesn't take that much propane, but, but, um, we, we run it on gas and I would suggest either run yours on gas, uh, or don't even run it at all until you're going to need it. You know, it doesn't take that long to heat up the water and then turn it off. Um, and that's why you're tripping that breaker because you're just drawing too much in that heat. And I bet it's because you're running your water heater on electric. And if it's 100 degrees outside, you turn on your water, it's going to be pretty tepid yeah. or warm to wash your hands or for whatever use you might have for it. So you don't need that hot water heater on all the time. So give give that a try. Turn off the water heater if it's running on electric and uh, you'll. I think you'll be just fine. Again, we'd love to get your comments, your questions. Just send it to us at Mike at Jen, Mike and Jen <laughs> at RVLifestyle.com. You know, can people tell this? This is late in the day. We usually do this earlier in the day. We kind of got, you know, blah, 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 blah. But we're going, we're going camping. So we want to get this out of the way and edit it and then hit the road. So True. Uh, off we go. So wherever you're going, I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. And uh, again, if you're anywhere, watch the weather for that uh, hurricane. Get out of its path. 
pay attention from now until September. If you're anywhere along the Gulf Coast or the Atlantic Coast from Florida up to the Carolinas, just be careful, monitor the weather. We'll see you down the road. Happy trail. <laughs>